1: Yeah, is the best wrestling in the whole world! Oh shit! It's, it's whoa, 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 hold your horses there, uh, Nerd, is it? That's it.
0: Welcome everybody to the You've Got to Be Kidding Me episode number six covering DNA history in November 2002. I'm Garrett Kidney. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Liam Jones. Liam, hello!
1: Hello, this is my favourite month of 2002.
0: Is it actually? Is this the peak of TNA for you? Um, no. no. (laughs) What has been your favourite month so far, then?
1: Probably last month. Last month or the month before, because last month had all the X-Division focus, but the month before is when they started setting up it being a wrestling show.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a unique idea.
1: Yeah, so the last two months have been my favourite. This one was good for the first two weeks, and then fell off hard as things became more prevalent and it stopped being a wrestling show again.
0: It is quite interesting to see, like, really the
1: wheels come off over the course of a month. (laughs) That's what happened in this month. And it's just so hilarious that it plays out the way it does on screen as well because it's like, how perfect to see the booking fall apart as... The Booker is on the show. (laughs)
0: Well, he's not Booker at all, Liam. He's not involved at all. He's Uh, only an on-screen character. uh, (laughs) We shall get into that as guy? go through the episode. We've uh, We've gotten
1: straight into podcast content for once. This is unusual. I know. It's because it's like, this is a big month. This is arguably the biggest month so far that we've had to cover.
0: And you really so Vince Russo is just such an all-encompassing figure that he he even eliminates pre-podcast banter. He's just like you must talk about me at all times.
1: Yeah, well, it's because you know we got Vince Russo, Jarrett winning the title, Panda Energy buying TNA. This is the yes. b- this is the big one.
0: So some housekeeping notes before we do actually start in earnest. We did a Twitter poll this
1: week. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, our Twitter going off right now. Jump on the Twitter while you can because we'll stop it eventually. <laughs>
0: Liam will be very upset because it's coming closer and closer to overtaking his personal Twitter and followers, but...
1: Ugh, shivers down my spine.
0: It's just a platform from which he can now pontificate.
1: Yeah, that's what's going to happen. You'll notice um, I'm I'm just going to start posting takes on there instead. I'll, like, try and keep it vaguely (laughs) TNA-related.
0: Like your CM Punk tweet this
1: week? Yes, that was legitimately me. Oh, my fire alarm is going off.
0: Um, well, you should go check, is there a fire? Nah, That's-
1: don't worry about it. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Good, co- okay, it's, it gets over now. <laughs>
0: Your takes were too scorching hot that they set yeah. off the fire alarm.
1: Yeah, it's because our Twitter is too fire.
0: You're gonna burn to the ground because of how good our Twitter is.
1: I'll burn it down. And that was me legitimately dipping my toes in. What if I just post things in general? <laughs> Well, anyone mind?
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody will care. Yeah, exactly.
1: And maybe they should care. Maybe that's the whole point.
0: So yeah, so we we did do a Twitter poll this week. 2 weeks ago we did we did the show via broad topic rather than segment by segment. Too many shows because there were five shows and i was like i'll ask did you prefer we do it that way or we do it segment by segment and with 102 votes it was split
1: 50 50 so which means we have incredibly indecisive listeners but also fair play to us decent number of votes on that too i was genuinely like all right here we go (laughs) it wasn't four people voting in like a 50 50 split Yeah, people
0: actually cared, but now we're in the dilemma of what do we do now that there is 51 people who want it one way and 51 people who want it the other?
1: Well, the answer is we'll do it however well, however damn well we want to. Yes. Because we have control in the end, so... <laughs>
0: that is true. So I figure we'll still just stick to broad topic because I think that's going to make more sense, especially when we get to the monthly pay per view here, where we're going to be like, "All right, what was the build of Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett? What was the build of P.D. Williams and AJ Styles? What was the build of Triple X It'll make a lot more sense to do it that way. When, by the way, when we get the monthly pay per views, so we will stick to broad topic. But when we're done, we will just we'll do a pass through the shows for anything we might have missed.
1: Because I think there's. You know a decent chunk of people that will be listening to this who aren't watching the shows with us. I would imagine the majority <laughs> yeah, I mean you're cowards if you aren't <laughs> commit to this bit as much as we are. Or we should be watching at least once a month with your bloody watch along on our patreon. That's what you should be doing. Good plug. for people who aren't you know we we'll do a rundown so people know what kind of what the stories and the the themes of these shows are throughout beyond just our broader points.
0: So that's how we will deal with our annoying Twitter tie. Be more decisive, Twitter people, please.
1: What's going to happen once we have to, like, you know, end-of-year votes? Because we're coming up on December.
0: I suppose for the January 2002 episode, we will do some kind of of end-of-year content.
1: Or even, like, maybe its own thing.
0: Or maybe a Patreon thing.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think we should do an end-of-year thing, but I think we should, uh... There'll be something. There will be something.
0: Uh, The other thing was last week you insisted I put Chris Rock's line into the opening of the episode. (laughs) <laughs> so yes. uh, to make that a more consistent thing from now on if there are any quotes with which we deem worthy to be in the opening of the episode we will beef it up to add to chris rock's nwa tna is the best wrestling in the world
1: yeah so we're gonna have what, do, what, what are we adding for this one?
0: Oh, oh we're definitely gonna add two in this one we're gonna add mr nerd yeah. which we'll talk yes, about. yes okay i
1: wanted to make sure mr nerd made it in there
0: and we'll talk about, oh shit, it's Vince Russo.
1: And, and, oh shit, it's Vince Russo.
0: There's two that will make it in from this episode that you will hear a lot more about when we get deeper into talking about
1: these wrestling shows. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh shit, it's Vince Russo, Mr. Nerd. <laughs> TNA Wrestling is the best pro wrestling company in America.
0: It's no, in the world, Liam. Get Chris Rock's quote right. It's the world.
1: As soon as it left my lips, I knew that it was the world, because as I'm watching it, I would obviously think the same thing.
0: Because Chris Rock was sitting there in the middle of the ring, and he's like, it's better than WWE, it's better than New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. it's better than all these small British companies nobody cares about any of them.
1: Yeah, he's like, hey, Ring of Honor, that's shit. <laughs> Yo, know, you know, fuck Brian Danielson, <laughs> fuck CM <laughs> he just, he, he was just shooting in the ring.
0: It was the original pipe bomb. True Strong Style is TNA Wrestling with Brian Lawler.
1: Yeah, he goes out there and he's actually like, Str- Strong Style is just a marketing term, idiots. <laughs> Don't you know that? It's like sports entertainment.
0: Chris Rock teaching people the history of pro wrestling right here in TNA.
1: I really love the idea of Chris Rock as a puro gatekeeper. Mm. <laughs> if you haven't been watching Michinoku Pro this year, what are you doing? Why are you even here?
0: Chris Rock definitely watches Gleet, though.
1: Oh, Who doesn't? Garrett, who doesn't?
0: <laughs> who doesn't? That's a good question, Liam. Who doesn't? Mm. Is there perhaps a specific person in which you're implying doesn't via that statement? I don't know. I don't get this.
1: One of the people on this podcast. And mm. it's not who you'd think.
0: Uh, Liam, yes. Yes, I've never seen it. <laughs> Liam's a gleet phony. He's just like reading Wikipedia pages and just <laughs> regurgitating it.
1: I have thought of like how great of a bit that would be to be one of these accounts that are like completely dedicated to a promotion and then just never watch it. <laughs> just drop random takes about it without ever having to actually consider it. Yeah, like, be a a Sendai girl's stan account and post, like, Dash is the greatest wrestler in the world, her year has been on fire. (laughs) It's like, just with no context or understanding of that statement at all. That'd be a good bit. That'd be a solid bit. Yeah, but like, and be like super aggressive about it too.
0: (laughs) No, you're wrong. It's what makes her the best in the world. It's like, I don't know.
1: (laughs) No, when someone, like, goes, you're wrong, you just, like, quote-tweet it with, cringe! This guy doesn't think Dash is the best in the world this year. Then you get, like, four people with Joshi uh, avatars liking it, and you'll be like, oh, I have succeeded in this bit.
0: Those are the backpats you truly need in the world.
1: I mean, you'd rather, you're on- you'd rather them on your side than against you.
0: That is true. I, I think deep Joshi Twitter is probably, like, diva-stan Twitter, in that the second they're against you, it's the most unbearable thing in the world.
1: <laughs> I, got a- I had a brief taste of it with the... The AEW tweet that I made a while ago.
0: Oh, yeah, you got the Josie toxic people being like,
1: why don't you just watch Josie? And you're like, I do! <laughs> the very thing about that whole circumstance was if they just scrolled, like, down one tweet on my feed, it was gifts of fucking, um, seedling.
0: <laughs> yeah, but seedling is too mainstream. You gotta, you gotta go deeper into Josie.
1: Is it? <laughs> I think I had Ice Ribbon <laughs> gifts there as well.
0: Still too mainstream. Oh, uh, sorry, huh? You've got some grimy puro. Is
1: there grimy joshi? I don't even know. Um, yeah. I mean, there is, but from my understanding... I mean, like, it's still relatively popular, like, for the level that it is. Mm. More popular than the male uh, or intergendered uh, companies of the same level. So clearly they shall become joshi companies. And most companies should. TNA should become a joshi company. Oh, that rule... In 2002?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure everyone would be
0: treated very well. They wouldn't do anything bad. Not like there Mm. was a month full of bad
1: stuff. Hmm, speaking of bad.
0: So we are talking about November 2002... Uh, the big story this month is that Panda Energy have officially bought TNA. On the uh, October 30th pay-per-view, they actually went to Talent and told them that Panda has officially bought the company. Panda is now ownership of the, owner of the company. There is some disputes about the the ownership breakdown. I know for a long time it was reported I think that Panda had 71% of the company, and it's probably where they ended up with. But the Jarretts do claim that it was a 51-49 situation here when they actually bought the company in the first place but nonetheless panda is majority shareholder panda is owner of the company Uh, j and e j and j entertainment that you see at the end of all the episodes doesn't exist anymore it's gone it has been replaced with tna entertainment because it has been bought out by panda energy so the tna as an entity officially exists now
1: what a road we've been on to get here
0: yeah the company failed and then somebody bought it
1: (laughs) see that's all it takes I was gonna say like why do why does every, any company ever fail like you just should just get bought out idiots
0: yeah and then some big oil tycoon company well I, i'm not sure they're oil. Oh, uh, what do panda energy do
1: they um they crush up the bones of pandas and turn it into some sort of uh, sustainable energy source my god uh that's brutal their logo is actually a panda which
0: is uh, fair enough, they're called Panda mm. Energy. Mm. But I wonder, is that? Oh, I, I've now worked it all out. This is the World Wildlife Fund?
1: <laughs> oh, no!
0: And they're like, first of all, our, our our plan to succeed in pro wrestling is to make WWE change their name so that they'll have less brand equity, and then we'll buy their competition, and then we'll take mm. over the world.
1: Step three? Take over the world.
0: Panda Energy, uh, I think, made their money in power, uh, power plants... But they also do a bunch of oil and gas. So
1: there you go. Oh, sounds like a cool company. And if they want to buy a podcast, feel free.
0: My favorite thing about the Panda Energy Wikipedia page is like half of it is TNA and half of it is Panda
1: Energy. That's really funny.
0: This company, this billion dollar energy company's
1: <laughs> major legacy is TNA Wrestling. I wonder if they were ever like super embarrassed at like some big like energy conference or something and like and some other like origin walks up and is like hey Panda Express Panda, Express, Panda Energy uh, how's that TNA wrestling going?
0: Yeah, they're competitors. It's like wrestling company really guys
1: and Bob's like oh it's cool I swear.
0: When they go to, like, the, the, the big annual uh, company reviewer retreat and just, like, the wrestlers are there. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's a mixture of the wrestlers and the employees from the Panda Energy side. Just Brian Lawler and Bruce hanging around with the, the, the company people. Yeah, 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 everyone's just getting real fucked up.
0: I was going to say the Dubs because they would have been a good example of people in the corporate world who would jar against the corporate world, but the Duffs aren't around anymore, so... Yes, Panda bought the company. Official owners. They, they, as I said, they held a meeting with Talent on the thirtieth, and uh, Crystal Ball is basically in and running the company, or at least running the finances of the company, and, and holding those purse strings quite tightly, by all accounts. Because there's some stories during the month about how, like, he's trying to slash production costs. He's trying to get things down to as little as Panda can spend on each individual television taping. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Because that's how business works. It's slashing costs to the very bone and getting... I suppose when you have this company who is just losing money hand over fist, this company that is not bringing in nearly as much as they are spending, I can't really blame a, a corporate overlord for being like, Listen, guys, we are going to spend as little on producing this two hours of content as we humanly can.
1: But we swear, we're all in.
0: We are committed to this and dedicated to this.
1: We are committed to this to an extent. We do not want to
0: throw money hand over fist at your stupid wrestling ideas.
1: It's like, listen, we're committed, but we this is the vanity project. Don't mm. get it twisted. This is the this is the fun side gig. Yeah, and like legitimately there are some
0: stories during the month that it's just like they're they're seeing this as like a renegade investment to get into the wrestling market and shake things up. It's like, yeah, all right, they're doing this basically as a Bob Carter got some notions and decided to buy a wrestling company. It's it's a bit to Bob Carter. It was a very expensive bit by the end of it, but uh, it's probably nothing to him. So who cares?
1: Yeah, the drop in the bucket.
0: So the the disputes between Jerry Jarrett and Vince Russo continued throughout the month in many ways, and it is as we will discuss when we get to talking about the content of these shows increasingly difficult to separate fact from fiction <laughs> on this, mm. these TNA wrestling shows. The, on the October 30th show, Russo expected to arrive and be crowned like the the head of creative, but nope, Jerry Dart was still in charge, so Russo wasn't at that show, he wasn't at the November 3- 6th show, and he wasn't at the November 13th show. But then, all of a sudden, he was revealed to be Mr. Wrestling 3 on the November 20th show, which was a plan as far back as i think the character was introduced that character that mr Wrestling <sighs> tree character was always introduced it meant to be introduced as vince russo that wasn't a, a twist or a swerve or a change of direction so while they are putting out in public a lot of two people are putting out in public that there is this dispute and this war going on between jerry Jart and vince russo which i think there actually legitimately was they are also on the flip side trying to turn vince russo into a television character <laughs>
1: I don't know if they all are trying to turn Vince Russo into a television character, but it's really evident how much this sucks because even just reading about Russo like sends like groans and shivers down my spine. I feel worse for having mentioned the name. Like everything he does it just turns to slime and it's I'm not looking forward to the next 2 years of on-screen Vince Russo because we're moving fully into the sexier Liam I mean that I am, <laughs> I am excited for. But yeah, like, and it's so evident. It's like the amount of clean finishes on these shows has dropped dramatically. Mm-hmm. Everything has some bullshit ending, some DQ, some weapon going in, something backfiring. It's and it's so much harder to invest and to watch these things.
0: And a lot of the dumb character elements are coming back, and we are as we're fully moving into the work shoot here of this company. There's going to be more in December and more in January, where the the whole idea of the show is, oh, let's work the internet, let's work the roster, because the big thing about that that Vince Russo reveal is they worked the roster.
1: Yeah, who cares about working the fucking roster?
0: Especially for a reveal about Vince Russo. Like, you, it's, we, one thing It's like, we don't want to tell the roster CM Punk is debuting on our show, even though everybody knows it was happening. But we're not going to tell our roster because we want it to be a big surprise. And the, I think the, most of the roster is probably fine with that. The roster not is probably not fine with this guy who you have told them repeatedly. That he's not working for the company, suddenly showing up as a surprise television character in the main event. I don't think the roster are going to be quite pleased that you worked them on that.
1: Also someone who, you know, the initial uh, instinct is going to be, this person has control over creative stuff. Yeah, and they've been denying it from
0: before the existence of this company. Like, from like May 2002, they've been denying that Vince Russo has any creative involvement in this company over and over and over again no matter how much he's backstage oh he's just producing pre-tapes he's not actually you know he's just helping with the interviews he doesn't actually have any meaningful role in creative even when he showed up on TV that was like the the company line he doesn't have any role in creative
1: it's like ah oh, guys would just stop it so would you stop working these poor people the fact that you feel like you have to lie about this is probably indicative <laughs> of the fact that you shouldn't have this guy involved in the creative process
0: <laughs> it was like the 2014 thing It's just like, if you have to have him in hiding, if you have to not tell people that he's working for you, why do you insist on having him work for you? If it has to be a secret, if if so much of the roster will be upset and furious and angry at the fact that Vince Russo is the person responsible for their creative, if that's the case, why are you hiring
1: him? He's just not worth the hassle. And I know why they're hiring him. He's Jeff's friend. That's why they're hiring him, but... Really? Nepotism in the TNA?
0: God forbid.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, so, it's yeah, it's bizarre to see that play out behind the scenes and in public. Because uh, in his book, Jerry Jarrett like, outlines the entire sex story, where he's like, Vince Russo will come in. And I, I think, legitimately, Jerry Jarrett's like, if I make this guy an on-screen character, he will leave me alone and stop trying to oust me out <laughs> of my own company.
1: <laughs> no, he'll just shoot on you on, in the middle of the ring and call you a piece of shit.
0: And threaten to fight you. But again, we'll get to that when we get to that, when we cover the shows. <laughs> oh, mm. Vince Russo.
1: <sighs> let's just get... Okay, let's make an honest attempt here, mm-hmm. right now, to get all of our ugh, Vince Russo stuff out of the way. <laughs> because we can't do this for the next 24 episodes.
0: I think we can. I think we can just be like, for the rest of this entire
1: podcast, it's just me and you just going... Uh, so I'm gonna make a consorted effort to not go Vince Russo every time but I want it to be known that it's implied in everything (laughs) I say from this point forward I will never say anything without that implication on my sentence on my thoughts about Vince Russo so that's it for now I'm gonna try to not do it and groan every time his name is brought up but let it be known internally it's there
0: yeah, sometimes people are like, hey, you, you shouldn't reveal the subtext. You should have the a deeper art. You should have to examine the art with understanding. But no, we will tell you the subtext of everything we say is... Ah, Vince Russo. Mm. There's some wonderful Jerry Jarrett quotes in his book. It's, uh, Vince Russo is a terrible writer. He has a no appreciation of quality in-ring work. He is extreme in crudeness, sexual content, language, and he has no limits regarding principles, the religious principles and there's, there's an even better one on November 11th in his book, Jeff seems to discount the fact that Vince Russo has been a complete failure at everything he has attempted.
1: I like, um, because of the way it's structured, it feels like uh, that was a Bible psalm. 10-11. <laughs> 10-11, <Yeah. laughs> uh, Jerry. <laughs> Jeff seems to be discount the fact that Russo has been a complete failure at everything he has attempted.
0: So says the Lord. We should insert that into the Bible. I'm going to find, like, a major Bible publisher, and I'm just going to slide that in there and see does anybody (laughs) notice. No one's actually read it, it's fine. It shall be recited in church and studied in prayer circles, and Vince Russo's fraud nature will be considered a religious doctrine.
1: As it should be.
0: So the big person who wasn't happy about Vince Russo, the person who was flat out refusing to work with vince russo because there was like jerry was like oh a lot of people won't work for me for tna anymore if vince russo was head of creative and like scott hall stopped showing up for some other reasons as well but one of the people was sean waltman who did in fact quit the second he saw that vince russo was revealed as an on-air character he quit
1: sean waltman is the fucking man because like Sean Waltman
0: was having some trouble, he, he dislocated his hip in one of the matches with AJ, and then like the, he has one match this month where he actually shows up, which is a match against Brian Lawler, where he apparently is doing uh, quite badly. His, his hip is, is not doing particularly well in that match, even though it was only like five minutes long. So he ends up no showing the November 13th show, and he doesn't inform them that he's no showing until like an hour beforehand because he missed his flight and like it must be said it's Sean Waltman, so mm. grain of salt there's yeah, more a mountain of salt than a grain of salt. A mountain of something, but... He didn't show up for the November uh, 13th show, and when the Russo was revealed on the November 20th show, he quit. He quit mm. and he did not come back. And they were trying to like get him back because they, they, they were thinking, oh, it, it wouldn't it be great because you could build the, the, the real heat with Vince Russo into a story because that's the way wrestling always thinks. It's like, no, that we can't make this guy who is unhappy at what we're doing happy. We want to incorporate his unhappiness into our television story. <laughs>
1: Especially um, the worked shoot era, I'm sure that would have led to some very uh, entertaining moments, some very sports entertaining moments. Uh, Waltman's quote for a
0: statement he released I am very sad things have come to this, but from day one, I made it clear if Vince Russo had anything to do with concerning me, there would be no deal. Vince Russo has no respect for wrestling or the importance of the matches themselves to the success of the product in general. I wish them the best, but Russo having anything to do with the product, they are pissing in the wind. Tremendous. Uh, and I imagine, there are people at the time who were like, oh, it's probably a work. And I know even Dave Meltzer was mentioning in The Observer, it's like, oh, it might be, people think it's a work, but no, it's actually, the the, the heat here is real. And you can tell, at least in this instance, the heat here was in fact real, because Waltman did in fact never come back. Uh, until? Until 2005, until Russo was gone. So.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so funny that like, even just, you know, stuff I haven't seen yet, but obviously things I have heard that like O five is like this golden era for T N A, and it's just oh yeah, Vince left. And it's the same thing. In twenty twelve Russo
0: leaves and you get the best like run of T V in ages and then they bring him back in at the start of twenty fourteen and you get the worst run of T V in like the history of the company. Then Vince leaves again when his, his secret hiring is ousted at in the middle of twenty fourteen and you get the best run of TNA T V again. <laughs> it's like An absolute virus. There is a consistent, like, trend in this company. Like, Russo bad, Russo gone, TV suddenly becomes very good. Mm. If only they, like, had have just learned that mistake in 05. Mm. So you can... You feel the power seep away from Jerry through the entire month.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, it's quick. It's It's quick and it's sad. It's really unfortunate to watch. And, like...
0: Again, a quote from Jerry uh, when he's outlined that entire he outlines the entire sex plan. The plan is for Russo to come in and <laughs> feud with the traditional NWA. I know it's it's, it's bizarre to say he it, he outlined the entire sex plan, <laughs> and that's meant to make sense. The Sports Entertainment Extreme Stable, in case you're not familiar, was the Vince Russo stable. You will hear a lot more about in the coming weeks and months of this podcast.
1: I'm looking forward to actually learning what it's all about.
0: <laughs> you you want to learn all about sex?
1: Yeah, I'm. Um, like maybe I'll be sex positive. Who knows?
0: So yeah, outlines the entire plan about how Vince Russo would lead sex against traditional NWA wrestling, and how there'd be an NWA belt and a sex belt, which was the plan.
1: Ah, oh, I want to know who would have been the sex champion.
0: Uh, and Jerry's quote: "Well, it would be Bruce."
1: Clearly, <laughs> uh, I don't know who Bruce is anymore. Sorry. Also, Bruce is a babyface. Obviously, would be in the NWA. Then it's who? Brian Lawler? He's he's getting around. He sure is. <laughs> That being said, Prime Law has been great this whole time, so sure.
0: The the quote in Jerry's book, The future problem would be if Russo attempts to become an influence in the writing of the show. Only time will determine if he can limit his ambition to working as a talent.
1: No, Jerry, learn! Learn from the (laughs) mistakes of your past! The mistakes of everyone's past!
0: Then you cut to the narrator voice. He didn't learn. (laughs) So, yeah, that's uh, a lot of Vince Russo, Panda officially owning the company. There's some other small bits and bobs, small notes. Uh, Loki and TNA officials were unable to come to come up with a way to work around his scheduled Japan dates because he was working for Zero One. TNA basically wanted a month's notice of like Loki's uh, TNA or Japan dates so they could work around it, and he couldn't really give them. So Loki uh, has not been a feature
1: on the show for the entire month. Loki's like, I don't really know. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I get a call like three days ahead of time, and then I'm in Japan, <laughs> and uh, he can't be in TNA as a result. And I think we we do miss Loki on these shows.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let's be real. If he was on these shows, he'd probably be, like, fucking banging someone or something. It's not like he'd be just having cool low-key matches anymore.
0: Nobody is allowed to do that anymore. No. Uh, they explored numerous avenues, including connections they had uh, when trying to sell the company uh, uh, to the country music industry. Where it's Sawyer Brown and, my my favourite note, even <laughs> Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins.
1: Oh. Holy shit. From the very beginning,
0: they were looking to sell TNA to Billy. That's remarkable.
1: That's like, right there is an alternate reality, you know?
0: Where Billy, right at the beginning. Billy
1: buys it at the start.
0: Ground floor, Billy Corgan gets in on wrestling in 2002
1: with TNA. he's, He's like, forever linked with this company, somehow.
0: Constantly linked with buying it, is the way he's linked with it. He really wanted TNA. <laughs> From 2002 all the way through to 2016. It's a long-term story. It's the longest-term narrative arc in the history of TNA. That Will Billy buy TNA?
1: Yeah. I wish Billy had have bought it. <laughs> I want to see that reality so badly.
0: But he wouldn't have his mighty Billy faves. He wouldn't have Marche Rocket all the way back in 2002. What would he do? But
1: imagine he'd bring him in. He'd bring him in eventually, you know? And then there'd be big stars because it'd be Billy's vision.
0: Uh, fascinating to see what would happen if Billy. I, it doesn't even know how far that got or whether it was just like, hey, Billy, you want to buy it? And Billy was like, no. So <laughs> that, that could have been the extent of the conversation. But just the fact that his name was mentioned yes. around buying TNA all the way back in 2002 is quite fun.
1: Tremendous. Tremendous.
0: Roddy Piper has expressed an interest in working TNA shows to promote his book. You might hear more about that next month. I think he does. Yeah, in our, <laughs> in our December episode uh- in two weeks. You might hear more about that. Another fun tease for the future. During his weekly appearance on XM Radio, Jeremy Boris said that the company is currently negotiating with Fox Sports Network, but didn't elaborate further. That's a story that we will not hear more about for two years.
1: Let's <laughs> say people really just given shit out on the fucking radio, didn't they? Have, they had a whole discussion about this like a couple months ago. Yeah, stop leaking things.
0: Uh, this isn't even a leak. This is literally just saying things on public radio stations. Does that
1: count as a leak? Yes, that's the biggest leak of all. You usually think leaks happen in private, though. I think all that determines a leak is if the information wanted to be out or not. Yeah.
0: Maybe they did want that like, information out. Yep. Maybe they were like, hey, Jeremy, leak that so we can get people some, some people Ah, excited. leak it!
1: <laughs> Your own verbiage has turned against you. Mm. Uh, there had been
0: interest in Bobby Heenan, and apparently an agreement was come to, but then Heenan was like, I don't want to deal with Russo. And then he was like, alright, maybe I might deal with Russo, but for the right price.
1: Guys... <laughs> No one wants to work for him. Maybe that's indicative of something. Uh, and they sold
0: their first international TV deal to the, the Middle East, parts of the Middle East and Asia with Star Television, where they were getting uh, 550000 for two years. So that's a decent cool. chunk of change, at least. That's so money in the company that they don't have.
1: <laughs> it's money that wasn't there before.
0: So those are the, the major notes. Uh, the major happening is Panda officially, like, sealing the deal, which actually technically happened in October, but didn't come out in, until November. But... There you go. That's Hmm. Panda and Russo. The two things that are most important in TNA history. The money and the creative.
1: Yeah. Real solid efforts on both sides.
0: Mm, Some real both sides things going on here, isn't there?
1: (laughs) That's the... the, (laughs) The Tale of Two Cities is quite literally all of this company. Oh dear. So that brings us to the shows. The four shows in November.
0: NWATNA pay-per-views, Views 20 through 23 are the shows we will cover. November 6th, 13th, 20th and 27th all in the Nashville Asylum with attendances ranging from 800 to 1100. Attendances did go up through the month so they did have like the Jared Mm. title change and they did have the Russo stuff so there was at least in typical fashion some interest in it before it probably went off the rails.
1: People were invested in the Jarrett chase. I feel, and him actually getting there.
0: I think that was one of the better stories of the month because they did like they did go back to like traditional old school pro wrestling for a little bit, or like Jarrett ends the the second pay per view of the month. NWA TNA and NWA T A. God, my brain's shutting down.
1: NWA TNA pay per view number twenty one.
0: Jared ends that show with his go-home promo, uh, which is just like a traditional pro-wrestling go-home promo. He comes out, he talks about how he wants to win the belt, how it's his journey, how the the traditions of the NWA that he wants to live up to and the ideals. And obviously that's setting up a swerve in another way, but still. It's it's fun to see them do a good, traditional, old-school go-home promo instead of
1: some kind of nonsense. And preparing myself for some kind of nonsense.
0: So, yeah, the big story of the month as we go into broad topics for the half of you that want broad topics <laughs> was Jeff Jarrett winning the NWA title from Ron Killings. He defeated him on NWA TNA Baby number 22, in which Vince Russo was revealed to be Mr. Wrestling number 3. My God. Yeah, There was a whole story through the first two shows where like they were trying to reveal the identity so Ron Killings offered Mr. Wrestling 3 a title match. Mr. Wrestling 3 did not accept that title match because they thought it was Jarrett and then Jarrett was like I'm not Mr. Wrestling 3. I'm not accepting this title match because I'm not Mr. Wrestling 3. Then He earned his title match by winning a tournament that kind of fell apart because Sean Waltman stopped participating in a huge injury. But again, Jarrett beat BG and Jarrett beat Hennig in order to win his number one contendership and beat Killings to become world champion with the first guitar shot in TNA history, Liam.
1: It says an, an historic moment and not from the person you think to do it.
0: Yeah, there are two guitar shots in the month of, of November. The first one is by Mr. Wrestling 3 to Ron Killings. And then the second yes. one is by Jeff Jarrett to a ring post.
1: <laughs> That's truly like all that we were talking about at the start, like the big build up to when Jarrett will finally use the. the the guitar, <laughs> and it's like, oh, he he won't. Yeah, his big his big
0: guitar shot in the month of November is uh, destroying it on the ring post because he does not want to use the guitar.
1: Because mm, he's a big babyface. It's weird. He's not
0: because in Jerry's book, he literally outlines it's like all the programs he's going to work as a heel, and then he's like, oh, we can turn you face after that, and then you can be uh, we could run all those programs back,
1: and then you are like, wait, he's meant to be a baby face on this show or a heel on this show. I I don't know, maybe, ah, it's so confusing. I don't know who's a face or who's a heel, or, like, Russo's being a fucking cunt in the ring, and then people are cheering him, and then some boo him, and then it's nothing, it's so insane, and it's hard to follow, and nothing matters.
0: Like, I guess you could argue Jarrett against Killings as heel versus heel, even though Ron is likable, Jarrett's not very likable, but the crowd are kind of behind Jarrett, because Jarrett got his big baby face promo.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jarrett set himself up as a face for the match. And then he also didn't take the help from Mr. Wrestling 3.
0: Yeah, so he's, at the very least, not aligned with Russo, even if he's still a heel? I don't know. It's impossible to work out. You cannot work Is out. Russo
1: still a clansman here?
0: Uh, maybe, probably. Again, no way of knowing.
1: Yeah. This is a whole to-do but you know, it felt very TNA, didn't it? <laughs> this is the most TNA we've, we've witnessed yet.
0: Yeah, this is a very TNA month. Actually, I think the, the Russo promo the next week is the most TNA, TNA has TNA'd up until this point, but...
1: I meant the whole Russo stuff over this month and the Jarrett stuff over this month.
0: Yeah, it does feel like... Because, as you mentioned... When we were starting the show, when you were talking about how, we're like, oh, last month was your favorite month. Last month was just kind of like a normal pro wrestling month. It's just like, hmm. we'll do matches, we'll do our stories. It's a pretty normal month. There's problems with it because it's TNA and there's never not going to be problems with it. But it did feel like there's, like, let's do some straightforward pro wrestling. And now it's, like, the start, The month started with some st- relatively straightforward pro wrestling. You watched it unravel throughout the month. You do, you watch the, the identity of the promotion kind of slowly explode over the course of a month. So Jared is NWA champion, the moment that that we've all been waiting for. There's actually a, a very interesting note in Jerry's book where he says, This show is very important because I've decided that after Jeff chasing the belt for 21 weeks, it might hurt his credibility and the company's credibility for him to continue being denied. The more interesting part of that, the fact that Panda now has a controlling interest deflects what little negative could come from Jeff being an owner and also the champion. It's interesting to see that Jerry was like, because Jeff is no longer like fully in control of this company, Panda's majority shareholder, we can make him champion without the fear that there's blowback.
1: You know what the funniest thing about this is? What? The guy that they kicked out of this company is the only person I've ever seen in charge of this company with a shred of self-awareness. Like, it's so hilarious that like wait, this guy's thinking about things? Get him the fuck out of here. The fact that he's thinking
0: about, well, you know, because Panda owns the company now, we'll get less blowback from the internet. Perspective? (laughs) What? I'm pretty sure that's not a a quality people have in spades in pro wrestling, so...
1: Mm, But yeah, that's why we we had to get him out of there. He was thinking too much about the things that we were putting on television and trying to earn money from. I'm
0: legitimately stunned it took 22 weeks for a guitar shot, though. Do you think they were saving it? It's like, we're going to do the first guitar shot with the title change when Jarrett wins the belt.
1: Yeah, but like, then they wasted
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) They gave it to Vince Russo.
1: (laughs) Like, you could have at least had like, you know, Russo brings it in, Killings kicks him out, guitar's in the ring, Jarrett takes the guitar, whacks it over, Killings wins the title. Mm. It's like, that's a way more satisfying payoff than Russo limply throwing it into the back of Ron's head. (sighs)
0: <sighs> only a few people know for sure that Russo was going to be revealed as Mr. Wrestling 3 is mostly the people in the office so you had like Bob Ryder, Jeremy Borash and Mortimer Plumtree everyone else was worked
1: that's what you gotta do never want to build trust with your employees alright that's something we gotta take away from this you never want to have trust with your employees because then that might inspire loyalty. And that's one thing you don't want in a company.
0: No, you never want people to be like, you know what, this is a good place to work. This is a place where I can trust my bosses and I've never like mm. left out in the cold or left out not knowing what's going on. That's... Yeah. Um, that's, no, you never want that. That's bad.
1: You want uneasiness, you want a toxic work environment, you want people to feel unsafe, you want people to think of greener pastures elsewhere, because that inspires fear. And that's how you control your <laughs> your backstage environment.
0: You never want people to know they're on a sure footing, you never want people to know that what you're telling them is actually true and not some dumb shit that you're going to use to set up an angle on the TV show. Nah, you never mm-hmm. want any of
1: that. Can't trust them. They le- remember they were leaking stuff like two months ago so,
0: <laughs> so they deserve this this is what they get
1: <laughs> this was their punishment for stuff that Jerry was definitely doing you want to leak stuff well
0: we're not going to tell you anything and you're going to be mad at us
1: yeah and then you're going to leave
0: <laughs> uh, there's even a quote in the torch that Jarrett was pleased that wrestler seemed to be surprised backstage
1: well at least it worked <laughs> It'd be more embarrassing if they were trying to keep it from everyone and then everyone still knew.
0: So Jarrett's champion, Russo's on the show, which really came into uh, more relevance on the following show, A Baby number 23, where we, we entered the work shoot era in full. So Mike Tanay starts the show. They cut to Mike Tanae and Mike Tanay just does a promo about, like, that, this is the thing. Right Today does this promo about how Vince Russo killed WCW, Vince Russo cost them his job, and he hates Vince Russo's guts. And we're telling the viewer, the person buying this show every week, that this man is responsible for the death of the second largest wrestling company in America, and now he is responsible for this company.
1: And, like, why is the story here that the guy that's in charge is terrible? Well, the idea here is that he's not actually in charge on camera, you know what I mean? Like, mm. the kayfabe is that he isn't in charge. But the reality <laughs> is very different, which makes the whole segment hilarious.
0: But, like, Vince Russo comes out after Mike Tenet threatens... <laughs> and, like, if you want to know why Mike Tenet doesn't like Vince Russo, Mike Tenet, uh, was booked in a match in WCW against Medasia. Tenet refused, and because his contract said that he was an announcer and not a wrestler, they couldn't force him. But... Vince Russo apparently never forgives these kind of things, but nonetheless, my is like, I'm not wrestling. I'm an announcer. Leave me alone.
1: I have no interest in smacking the back of my head against
0: the mat a few times. That is not a thing which is good for my brain. Therefore, I'm not going to do it.
1: All right, cowboy. You ready to shoot? Pew, pew.
0: Yeah, so after Mike Tanay does his little shoot promo about how terrible Vince Russo is and how he destroys the business, My favourite part of that, by the way, is after Mike Tanay does that, they cut to Don, and Don is like, You know what? I've never met the guy. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Don doesn't pass judgement based on what other people say.
0: And then Mike is like, If he cost you your job, you'd know. And Don's like, You know what? That's a good point.
1: Also, Don's like, Mike is my friend. <laughs> I will support him in his hatred of this guy.
0: So Vince Russo comes to the ring, McIntyre is meant to be doing an interview with Jeff Jarrett, and then Vince Russo interrupts him, shoves Mike Tine out of the way, calls him bad, which is clearly the worst thing Vince Russo has ever said is that McIntyre is bad at his job because he's like the best thing on these shows.
1: It's also really stupid that this guy comes out here and he's like, Mike, you're bad, the show's bad, everything sucks, who would pay for this shit? <laughs> it's such a reoccurring
0: trend through all of TNA history. That all they ever do, over and over again, is tell you how terrible and bad and awful the show you're watching is.
1: Well, we're seeing it on the Patreon series too. When we watch, when we're going through the Monday Night Wars, like what's some of like half the shit that Eric Bischoff says when he's on screen is, "Oh, the company sucked. <laughs> Everything you've watched up until we took over is utterly pointless and
0: bad. What are you doing, you stupid idiots?
1: Why, why are you spending money on this?"
0: Even go back to the the first show where, like, Jarrett and Hull and Shamrock came out. And it's like, the creative of this show is bad. It sucks. Why are we doing this battle royal?
1: It's been there from the beginning, which is kind of hilarious, too. That's the other biggest through line.
0: Like, legitimately, we're not going to put it in the show open as a uh, noteworthy quote. But Vince Russo just says the words... This product sucks. Those are
1: exact, his exact words. This product sucks. Maybe we should put that in there. Right at the end. <laughs> After the Chris Rock line, where he's like, DNA is the best promotion in the world. This product sucks. But well, we're actually talking about our podcast
0: instead of... of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's when it says, you've got to be kidding me. This product sucks.
0: So Vince Russo goes full work shoot, where he's talking about the history of WCW and the
1: history of I Jeff I don't even Derek know what's worked. Out. You know what I mean? Like, my man was just taking veiled threats at Jerry Jarrett. (laughs) That's another one where he's like, if you cut my
0: mic, Jerry. Like, Jerry Jarrett's not a character on this show. Jerry Jarrett's never been on this show. Nobody who watches this TV show knows who Jerry Jarrett is. And yet, Vince Russo's like, he's threatening to smack the shit out of him if he cuts his mic. Which, to be fair, I would take that challenge. If Vince Russo's like, I'll smack the shit out of you if you do anything, I'd be like, I'll do it you can't smack the shit out of anything
1: (laughs) I mean no we're not doing this is a fiery (laughs) promo
0: I'll give it to Rinzuso, it was well delivered you can never deny him that But the content of the promo was absolutely dreadful because he went through Jeff Derrick's career where he's like, you were a nobody in the WWF, but when I got the book, I made you good. I made you a star. Then you were a nobody in WCW and you were begging me to jump over to WCW
1: here's my promo. My promo is I'm gonna come out here. I'm gonna tell you the show you're watching is bad and the promotion you're watching is bad. I'm gonna tell you that the NWA world champion is bad. Then I'm gonna tell you that wrestling's fake. (laughs) Then I'm gonna tell you that Jeff Jarrett was bad. And uh, I'm gonna punch an old man that you don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, to be fair, threaten to punch an old man that you don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just a a cavalcade of great stuff.
0: (laughs) it goes back to Fitzrusso's Russo's like core misunderstanding of pro wrestling though doesn't it his core misunderstanding of why people like this thing like they want to invest in the stories and the characters and the chases for the titles that's what that's pro wrestling but he constantly can't understand that so he has to constantly tell you pro wrestling is fake this isn't real, I'm the writer, I'm the booker. The real drama here, the real tension, the real thing that you should be interested in is the the behind-the-scenes stuff, which we're gonna have spill over onto the television show at all times, while we tell you that I booked this guy before and I want to book him again, and this old man backstage is stopping me from booking him again.
1: Well, it comes down to the core of he doesn't like pro wrestling. Mm. Like, really, what Vince Russo should have been doing was directing some Big Brother-fucking-esque show where he was, like, the guy making the challenges for people on the fucking reality TV show. He shouldn't have been in pro wrestling. But the problem is, he was never a good enough writer to write any TV,
0: so... <laughs> I'm not saying you had to write good TV. Go write road rules. <laughs> There's a reason the dude is doing a podcast these days, like... Hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> if he was good enough to write literally any TV other than pro wrestling, which he wasn't even good enough to write in the first place, but he got the job and got so many jobs that... People just kept on hiring him. But if he was good enough to write TV, TV companies would have hired... There's never been more TV out there. Never more reality TV, never more non-fiction TV, never more scripted TV out there. If you can't get a writing gig if you're a writer now, you're just not a good writer. Ed Ferrara got a gig. Yeah, he's teaching, the teaching creative writing at Full Sail, so that he's
1: teaching... you know who isn't teaching creative writing at Full Sail?
0: The Full Sail is no longer associated with WWE, so Ed Ferrara is not teaching the WWE writers of the future anymore
1: well he did for like the last four years so maybe that's the problem <laughs> that's where NXT went wrong
0: <laughs> hiring Ed Ferrara's kids mm. uh, so yeah Russo does this full promo and in the match afterwards Don's like you know what Mike after I saw Vince cut that promo I know why you hate him <laughs>
1: which <laughs> is such a great realisation it took like literally five minutes
0: <laughs> and Mike is like now you'll get why I wanted to quit and with and Don in like the most like charming self-deprecating thing it's like oh you shouldn't quit no one wants to see me do play by play bless Don Don is an absolute treasure on these shows someone has to be I will say I I did enjoy both of the Jared Killings matches I don't think they're like blow away you, you know you've gotta watch them but I think they're the better heavyweight title matches they've had in this company's history so far
1: I'd agree um, there's nothing there that's blow away or even stuff you have to go seek out except maybe just to see Jared winning his NWA title but it was you know They were fine heavyweight matches. Nothing's ever going to touch... Nothing in the heavyweight division is going to touch anything in the X Division at this point. At
0: the very least, they're better than the Shamrock matches. So how's that going for them?
1: Mm. You could actually probably say, like, this is the... As far as, like, everything... I mean, maybe even the X Division, that this month had the best title matches so far.
0: Yeah. As you mentioned... But even the X Division had two, like, Styles and Lind bangers. Yeah,
1: that's what I was saying. Like, even they had the... The red thing too, so like this could definitely have. You could even say that. Uh, you could probably say that all. Yeah, all the titles had there, but except for obviously Miss TNA, mm-hmm. which uh, <laughs> wasn't defended.
0: Tug on your collar. So yeah, Jared beat Killings to win the title, and then the, the to close off the story for the month, Jared defeated Killings in the rematch to retain the title, where he was not uh, refusing to take the guitar from Russo again. So the the story here, the tension is that Vince Russo wants to help Jeff Jarrett, but Jeff Jarrett doesn't want his help
1: wish that was real life
0: <laughs> yeah it is a weird inversion of like the real life situation where Vince Russo wants to help Jeff Jarrett his dad doesn't want Vince Russo to help Jeff Jarrett but Jeff Jarrett desperately wants Vince Russo to help Jeff Jarrett <laughs> <laughs> They even did an angle after the match where Dave Meltzer reported, Nobody knows this story, but they're figuring it'll get reported and everyone will know. Killings came back <laughs> in the dressing room screaming that Russo was shooting on him by punching him for real in the ring. He looked to be throwing these windmill blows that were connecting, but he's not a trained worker. So they're even trying to do like these angles where it's like Killings is faking being mad at Vince Russo for quote-unquote shooting on him. But God, nobody cares. This
1: is such stupid shit.
0: It's always stupid, like, all this, the work shoot stuff is just not, it does, it just does not understand pro wrestling. And even when they're good, even when there's a good work shoot promo, it never lasts and turns into anything good. It's just like, you get the one, even if you liked Vince Russo on the second show, like, even if you're like, you know what, he cut that promo with fire and passion, it was well delivered. And if he said that to me, I wouldn't disagree, because it is well delivered. But it goes nowhere. It never goes anywhere. And they keep doing stuff like this.
1: I think it's because fans can immediately tell if something's genuine or not. Mm. And to do something like this with Ron backstage, people just aren't going to buy it. Like, when things come out from backstage and they're legitimate, that does get fan excitement. Like, how many years do people want fucking Riddle and Lesnar or Riddle and Goldberg just because they heard the backstage stories of Riddle? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's... Not all the backstage stories are real, but um, now it's like if it's something that isn't genuine and it and it's something planned, especially with Russo on TV, you just you, you're gonna roll your eyes and not think it's real because you can have some <laughs> modicum of critical thought. So we've done like
0: nearly an hour on Vince Russo already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. let's get to Vince
0: Russo's ideas. But before we continue into the show, You've Got to Be Kidding Me is brought to you this week by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, from vegetarian meals and calorie-smart choices to extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes, easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. As somebody who's not particularly culinarily inclined, HelloFresh makes it a lot easier to approach cooking from a beginner's perspective without having to search through cookbooks to put together recipes or without having to walk through the the grocery store wondering like, hey, is that fresh? I don't know what fresh things look like. They cut all that friction out for you to make cooking easy and fast. So if you'd like to try HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com slash VOW14 and use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-14 for 14 free females. Use the code V-O-W-14. The other thing we're going to talk about, the other broad topic, Bruce. Uh,
1: Or as he's now known.
0: Yes, he's now known as Alan Funk. The new Funk brother. Yes, there's Terry, there's Dory, and there's Alan.
1: (laughs) Well, Dory was on this last show as well, so I wonder if he gave permission. Dory has endorsed this this
0: change by Alan Funk. So, Bruce has reunited with Lenny throughout this month. The Rainbow Express are back. Lenny returns. Mm -hmm. Then Bruce loses to Jorge Estrada after Bruce literally slips on a banana peel, which Lenny was eating seductively. (laughs) While they're making their entrance, good booking. literally the first thing on any of these shows is an interview with Goldie and Bruce, where Bruce uh, reintroduces Lenny, and Goldie is jealous of his boots.
1: I mean, they wore tremendous boots.
0: And they go to that match between Jorge and Bruce, which is a dire, terrible match. It ends, as we mentioned, on a count-out, when Bruce slips on a banana peel at ringside. When, not, like, figuratively, not falls over on the mat. He slips on a literal banana peel. <laughs> The funny thing is they they undermine their own rules because, like, the prior week, Bob Armstrong comes out and says that titles will change hands on a DQ. (laughs) And here we are, Bruce getting himself counted out, and title didn't change hands. Miss TNA did not go to Jorge.
1: We never confirmed that the Miss TNA title was on the line (laughs) during this match. No, we did. The whole idea was that, like, uh, Priscilla would win it if Jorge won. Oh, yeah! Priscilla the uncrowned... Miss TNA. Robbed by the rules that they did not follow. Priscilla, the, line- the linear Miss TNA champion.
0: I like the way last week when I mentioned the Bob Armstrong rule change, you were like, and how long are they going to follow that? And I'm like, you know what? For a surprisingly long time. Then hard cut to the next week in which they did not follow it.
1: Was it all titles or just the NWA title? Well, is Miss TNA an NWA title? It's no. It's never said the NWA Miss TNA title. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't count. So maybe it's just NWA titles.
0: So we go to the next week, where Brian Lawler hears moaning in the locker room.
1: <laughs> oh no, what could it be? I immediately assumed Sean Waltman had returned.
0: I think that it was meant to be Sean Waltman and they rewrote it for the sake of Waltman, because this was the show that Waltman no-showed, so they decided to turn Bruce in more senses than one.
1: <laughs> oh, this is so strange. David.
0: So Brian finds April in the shower, where, like, if you watch the Impact Plus version of this, her boobs are blurred. But if you watch the original version, there is just, like, suds on her boobs. Her boobs are, like, fully exposed, but there is soap covering them.
1: Hell yeah!
0: Brian's like, hey, why were you making sex noises in the shower? And April's just like, I'm having a shower, leave me alone. And then Lawler leaves, and they cut to Bruce sticking his head out of the shower. He was,
1: And he's like, who? What's going on out here?
0: He was presumably being pleasured by April in the shower and we are pleasured indeed. Mike today and Don West are aghast at the idea that Bruce, the gay man, would be in the shower with (laughs) April. (laughs) It's a shocking development. (laughs) The worst part comes the next week. I don't want to talk about this one the next week. the best part, man. So April denies being out there Oh, not that part. I thought, you meant, I
1: thought you meant the, like, the other part. <laughs> no, the,
0: the other, other part. No, the, there's, the, the... <laughs> all
1: right, let's go, let's go, let's go.
0: So the following week, April denies she was in the shower with Bruce before Lenny accuses Bruce of being a fake gay.
1: <laughs> but she's like, as we're watching this, we're like, Lenny, wouldn't you have noticed something?
0: <laughs> they are waiting for marriage. You leave them alone.
1: Oh, fair enough. The funniest bit of all this whole thing is if you watch our live reaction to this whole thing in which it clicks that they are turning Bruce baby face and therefore have to make him straight. <laughs> the
0: man cannot be gay and a baby face. That simply cannot compute. So they do in fact have to turn him in multiple senses so that he can be <laughs> the audience can cheer him now.
1: It's so fucking funny.
0: 'Cause yeah, we did the this is on NWTNA paper number twenty two in which we did the watch along, which is available now on our Patreon under ten dollar tier, as we did come to that realization that yes, in fact, they are turning Bruce they want people to like and cheer Bruce so he cannot be gay. <laughs> but they liked this gay character so much.
1: Yeah, that's 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 the whole other level to it, is that they loved the gay character so much that they weren't willing to get rid of it, so they brought back Lenny Lane just to keep doing Bruce's shtick.
0: So Lenny wants to be the real Miss TNA because Bruce isn't really gay. Which leads us, somehow this gets worse. It just endlessly gets worse. To the worst part of this, in which BG James faces Lenny Lane.
1: Which is like, I think most of our sentences in this podcast will be, and the worst thing happens, (laughs) BG James. (laughs) So before this match, BG cuts what is definitively the
0: worst pro on TNA history. Where he refers to Lenny Lane as the F word. And he says he is going to have a gay bashing right now on pay-per-view. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's... if, If I were watching TNA in 2002, it would be this promo where I stopped watching. It would be this is the point where I'd be like, I have never seen... Such open homophobia on a pro wrestling show as I did on this pay per view, NWA TNA pay per view number 22, where BG James drops a gay slur and then says he is going to commit a gay bashing live on pay per view. Like, in the entire history of wrestling, you need, like, there's veiled homophobia, there's veiled gay panic, and there is some probably outright homo- homophobia. But it's never been part of the story in any pro wrestling I've watched as it has been in this month of TNA. And it's just so disgusting and vile and stomach-churning and just lazy and cheap and entirely unnecessary. And I just hate it with every
1: fibre of my being. And BG James is the baby face. (laughs) He's the good guy. The crowd cheers this.
0: (sighs) Like, I'd stop watching. If this was 2002, I'd stop watching. This would be the point where I'd be like... This company is so desperate for retention that they're willing to pander to the lowest common denominator. So desperate and pathetic for people to give them any time of day that they're willing to be like, you know what, the people we want, the people who we really want to be supporters of TNA are the homophobes. <laughs> and that's, that's who we're going to go for here. Good fun stuff, huh? As babyface BG James beats heal Lenny Lane after calling him a derogatory slur and saying he's going to commit a gay bashing live on pay-per-view. And if you wanted more, after the match, April, instead of leaving with uh, mm. Bruce or leaving with Brian Lawler, she leaves hand-in-hand with Goldilocks.
1: Locks. Oh, what, what does that bloody mean, Mike Tenaces? Oh, bloody Goldie and her oh, seem to be close all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> and that's
1: a tease that
0: also goes absolutely nowhere. It's just like lesbians. <laughs> it's literally this is like a teenager. It's like, what if they were lesbians?
1: Isn't isn't that funny? <laughs> well, first of all, we have to say that we stand bisexual queen, April. Damn right, she can have whoever she wants. She'll t- she's hardcore. She'll take both.
0: Yeah, it's question her taste in Brian Lawler, but you know what? Some people are into bad people. You can't help it.
1: Hey. Brian Law has redeemed himself. Uh, this
0: isn't the great Brian Lawler month after a pretty good Brian Lawler month last month. I don't know, man. I kind of love
1: him just crying. <laughs> the next week, him just crying <laughs> on on the on the ramp, and someone says something. You goes, shut up <laughs> before quitting. <laughs> oh, do we want to talk about the Brian stuff here, or is that like is that another broad topic?
0: No, th- I was going to spin off into it there. Now that we're done with all the gay stuff, because we are still on the April story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, April and Goldie lesbian tease. Then we go next week where April's like, huh, are you jealous? And then that's... Yeah.
0: yeah, that's that's about it as we continue on this Rainbow Express story. And, like,
1: my favorite part of this month, actually, is
0: when the Rainbow Express have a match earlier in the month. Uh, they're wrestling the Maximals, I believe. Yep.
1: Yeah, they're a great tag team. <laughs> they're a super smooth, fluid tag team.
0: <laughs> my favorite part is Don West on Commentary, who's like, you know what? I used to really hate when they did the gay stuff. But that's them. And I accept it. And I quite enjoy it now. (laughs) And like, oh, Don. Don Don is learning and growing on this show in front of us while this show descends into madness in front of him.
1: (laughs) Don is an ally. Don is an ally. So Brian Lawler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The goat. Most. (laughs) Surefire pick for most
0: improved. So now that we've covered the gay stuff, we have to go all the way back to Lawler against Pack on NWATNA paper number 20. Oh, yeah, that story.
1: Let's wrap that up quick.
0: <laughs> so Lawler beats or loses to Pack, then Pack makes out with April, Lawler has a meltdown, and then fakes a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of letting April leave with Pack, Lawler clutches his chest, desperately gasps for air,
1: his heart was broken.
0: Falls to the mat. quite literally and fakes a heart attack until April has pity on him and returns to his side.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's a healthy relationship.
0: <laughs> As the month goes on, that relationship deteriorates until at the very end of the, the month on the <laughs> November twenty seventh show, Brian Lawler quits to a giant babyface pop. In a great segment it's a good performance, and then he goes backstage and he he is consoled <laughs> by Priscilla. Priscilla, as you know, we mentioned before. Yes, Priscilla, former girlfriend of one Jerry the King Lawler.
1: Oh, so you know, they just, just she's consoling him because, you know, they were in some way family, right? That's what that's the story here.
0: Uh, yes, consoling via Brian Lawler putting his hand on her ass.
1: Not, not. Oh, I hasn't to say, on and, and 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 more appropriate terminology would be in, mm. because my man was going hard on that. Listen, he's jealous of his dad, I guess. I don't know. Uh, that's the thing. It's like oh, those two definitely had some weird spiteful <laughs> interactions after this. It's so weird. It's it's skin crawling because even when I was watching it, I was like, no. <laughs>
0: They can't leave Brian Lawler without being creepy with a woman.
1: But honestly, like, um, a way more age-appropriate relationship.
0: Whether gaslighting them into still loving him via fake heart attacks, or getting with his dad's ex. That's Brian Lawler's just narrative. Hopeless
1: mark. romantic, obviously.
0: He just can't <laughs> go without love. Yeah. Good lord, what... Oh God.
1: I, I would pay serious money to be the fly on the wall as Jerry Lawler watches that segment.
0: <laughs> Do you think he cares? Do you think he's like, what the hell? Because they did have the line about him picking up girls in a school with candy, like, two months ago. Yeah. So, like, this show is just patently anti-Jerry Lawler for some reason.
1: Oh, well, for a lot of reasons.
0: <laughs> well, that's true too.
1: But just the idea of him just send down a... Uh, Let's see what Brian's been up to, you know, he's in this company, click it on, he just sees his son fingering his ex live on pay-per-view. Yep. (laughs) Uh, That's what you get for fucking getting worked by Andy
0: Kaufman. (laughs) I love how many different directions this Lawler and Bruce story goes in.
1: Uh, They should all just unite at the end and get past their differences. Just have one giant orgy. Yeah. But a healthy relationship. Be open with each other.
0: It's not built on heart attacks.
1: Don't bottle it up.
0: That leads to heart attacks.
1: Yes. It does. Quite literally.
0: Alright, so we'll go to some actual wrestling, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, I don't talk about that.
0: We've done, like, three quarters on Vince Russo, and then a quarter on Brian Lawler, and it's just the most vile and horrible homophobia you'll ever (coughs) see in your life. Let's move on to good tag team wrestling.
1: the best tag team wrestling we've seen so we saw the the kickstart of the
0: AMW and New Church feud at the end of last month, where they did that killer angle where the New Church laid out AMW as their official return and drove them through some tables and dropped them off stages and the New Church were like the coolest people on earth. So we come immediately back with AMW doing the best promo of their career on the and AP number 20, where they, like, they're just fired up, they're like I'm not a cowboy anymore. He throws
1: the hat down. He
0: does, he's just like, I am abandoning the shtick, I'm abandoning the gimmick, because you made this personal and I'm going to kick your ass. And it's so good. It's like, that's pro wrestling. Why are you getting away from this? They got their ass kicked, and now they want revenge in a pro wrestling match that I want to see.
1: My favourite line, besides, obviously, for, for the first time hearing, sorry about your damn luck, mm-hmm. which was, like, literally, like, I was like, "Oh, he said it. <laughs> the best line for me here is, like, James Storm, he's sitting there, and he's like, I'm one of the baddest, but son of a bitches," is in, I was like, oh shit, James Storm... <laughs>
0: He's abandoned the buckaroos. He's abandoned the pew-pew guns. He just wants to kick some ass. And for some reason, at this point, the crowd turns on James Stormbrook.
1: But it's, you should have turned on him before.
0: <laughs> it's very bizarre that he has abandoned the cowboy shtick. And now during the, all of these AMW can church matches, the crowd are chanting, kill the cowboy.
1: I think, like, they were ready to turn on him. And then they didn't realize that he stopped doing it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, fuck it. Well, we've committed. We bought all the signs. We have to do it
0: now. He's being like the biggest, coolest, fired up babyface on the show alongside Chris Harris. And now, yeah, they have the boo Pissing
1: blood everywhere, all of them.
0: Yeah, they, they have a series of matches on these shows. They wrestle basically three times in a row. First, a DQ in which New Church were too violent on AMW. Then New Church defeated AMW to win the tag titles and I think, the best of the three matches. Mm-hmm. And then they did the return match where AMW were too violent. They did the NXT where AMW looked at their hands and was like, ''Why are we so violent? We're hurting all these New Church guys.'' But yeah, like Buckaroo. for the entire history of TNA so far, the tag team division has been an afterthought. It has been, like, a vehicle for a Jerry Lynn and AJ Styles feud. It has been a vehicle for their worst impulses with the likes of the dupps and the likes of the Johnsons. Like, they have not really focused on the tag division. They have not really had a real tag division. And now they've found two teams, which are perfect polar opposites. You have the violent New Church and you have the plucky, fiery AMW. <laughs> and they're the perfect like, complements of each other to just have these killer tag matches. And really, in invigorate the tag division, and really, like, for the first time, lend some real credibility to these tag titles.
1: 100%. And also, like, legitimately, it's nice to have another division to be excited about on these shows, because before this, it's really like, alright, just get to the X Division matches (laughs) to actually show me some stuff. But now we actually have a pretty hot tag feud to deal with, and, um, you know, AMW turning into the tag team that Garrett says they are. So I'm excited to see more of
0: it. It's really fun to see, though. It's nice to see that they don't come out fully formed, because I like seeing that development, you know, of the course of the six individual months we've been covering so far, that they've developed from this these nobodies, these kind of like blank slate guys who don't really have a personality, who they don't really know what to do with. Uh,
1: excuse me, his personality was cowboy.
0: Yes, but no one wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> especially not his tag team partner
1: kill the cowboy
0: so yeah over the course of these months we've seen them develop from this just like blank slate nothing tag team into like the best babyface tag team in the world I mean
1: 2002 I don't fucking know
0: they're just so good together there there's there's fire there's 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 everything you want in tag team wrestling they're the throwback to the kind of tag team wrestling people loved without as I mentioned before being pretentious about it
1: you know they they kind of remind me of uh, and this is honestly one of the highest compliments I can give to a tag team. They remind me a lot of the briskers mm. like in that they come across very genuine they come across as yeah, they had very intense they have that old school flavour but with that new school style elements to it it's just good stuff and there's so much blood <laughs> so much blood Slash bleeds so much on all of these shows yeah it's
0: great Slash is just like oh yeah Blade It's like no one even touched it. it's like yeah don't worry about it
1: it's still open from the week before <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> he just bleeds
0: buckets on all of the and it really helps the feud and it helps the new church as well as these demonic cult figures who are just bleeding every week but yeah, a lot of blood in these matches between AMW and and the New Church.
1: Of course, we got uh, a new New Churchian. Oh, indeed. Well, first of all, well, we had Malice back,
0: who did a couple of squashes. Squashes, one of which was a disaster,
1: because
0: <laughs> <laughs> he squashed Chaos on the NWA Baby Number Twenty One, and then he squashed Corey Williams on Twenty Two and he just completely fell off the top rope when he tried to do his King Kong knee drop.
1: And he was so mad. He
0: was furious, he was embarrassed. Apparently he threw a bit of a fit backstage as well, and they had to calm him down because...
1: No, it was all work, don't worry about he it. It probably
0: was, to be fair. So yeah, Malice is back, and not looking quite so good. But yeah, Belladonna is the other introduction to the New Church, their their female associate.
1: Just a bunch of derelicts. Mm.
0: She's a local Nashville or Tennessee wrestler who caught their eye. She did, a, I think it was a dark match
1: with ODB. And then they. Is this Athena? <laughs> this isn't Athena, no. <laughs> who the fuck is Athena? <laughs> the, the Athena signs are getting more and more prevalent, and just, I just want to know who the fuck. Who is Athena? It really felt like it peaked on the show we watched as
0: well, on that uh, number 22 on November 20. There was oh. Athena signs everywhere on that show.
1: The most hilarious part was Jeff Jarrett finally winning the NWA title, blood pouring from his face, standing up, and as he stands up, holding the title high. Athena, right behind him. <laughs> all capitals.
0: They wanted Athena to win the belt, not Jeff Jarrett.
1: Well, if I knew who the fuck it was, maybe I'd agree. I'm purposely staying away from it too because I—if—if if, I don't even know if, if Athena fucking shows up, if it happens, I want it to be the biggest fucking reaction I've ever seen in my life. If these motherfuckers don't have a CM Punk returning esque <laughs> pop for Athena, ho oh, I'll go back in time to 2002 and punch them all.
0: it will be hot at the asylum if they're not giving Athena all that love after getting her single-handedly booked.
1: So far, the asylum fucking stinks. I don't have any reverence. to- reverence. Sure. <laughs> I don't have any good Im- Reverence is what I was looking for. I don't have any reverence for the fucking asylum. I don't like it at all. I don't like the people there. <laughs> I, don't- I don't care for it. It doesn't look visually
0: pleasing. It's not a particularly hot venue. It's just- It's just the home.
1: And the fans are dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> just a bad place.
0: It is funny, we watched um, Chris Rock's head of state for the in Patreon, which you can hear mm. our review of now on the Patreon if you'd like, at patreon.com slash kiddingme. But it's funny to see how like much better the asylum looked in that movie.
1: And because they moved everyone to one side. <laughs>
0: it's like, oh, so that's what this building could look like if it was shot with some amount of money.
1: <laughs> the colours popped so heavy. It was so interesting.
0: Like, oh, uh, yeah, this building actually looks pleasant to look at instead of, like, this drab kind of grey affair. Hmm. Uh, other stuff in the tag division this month, we had a little tag team tournament that was won by the Harris Bros, which they still haven't gotten their shot, so I don't know what they're waiting for there, but the Harris Bros are number one contenders, I guess. Cool. Because, they, like, they did that tournament. Like, Maximos defeated the Rainbow Express, Harris Bros defeated the Hot Shots, and then uh, Harris Bros defeated the Maximos. And then the last show of the month, BG James and Kurt Hennig got a tag title shot. <laughs>
1: Mm. So, what I'm hearing is you're really advocating for the Harris Brothers here. Mm. Now, why would you be such a supporter of the Harris Brothers? This,
0: this entire podcast is just going to become me grumbling at Vince Russo and me grumbling at you calling me a Nazi.
1: Whoa, 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 no one said <laughs> Nazi. <laughs> You hear it here first.
0: So the Harris Bros are waiting in the wings, I guess, for a tag title shot. We did have that match between Hennig and um, James against the New Church. Kind of a boring match, again, in line with a lot of the Hennig and James <laughs> matches. BG is terrible on these shows. I hate seeing BG. I thought Hennig
1: was pretty good in this, though. Yeah, because at least he didn't have to sell, mostly. He hit his plex. Uh, fun times. Okay, Um, before we get off of the tag stuff, I mean, I assume we're done with the tag stuff now. Well, you, you, you don't want to talk about the Briscoes? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about the Briscoes, that's sure. I mean, it's, the problem with the Briscoes is that, like, although I love seeing them here, I have no investment in them because I know they don't stay for any relative time, you know?
0: And they're doing pretty much nothing. Like, they're facing Divine Storm, who actually had a very good first impression when they wrestled Easy Money and Sunny Siaki the week before.
1: Like, um, I think, like, this is a, it was a really fun opening, you know, 2002 indie match. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I would be a lot more excited about the Briscoes if they actually stuck around.
0: And the highlight of both the Divine Storm against Easy Money and Sunny Siaki match and the Divine Storm against Briscoe's match was Trinity. Yeah, of course. Trinity just killing herself. Well, it's nice to have a woman on these shows who's not frickin' trying to sleep with somebody and she's just kicking ass. Oh, just you wait. I have <laughs>
1: zero faith in
0: that in that staying that way. You think Trinity's suddenly trying to get with Brian Lawler next week?
1: Oh, fucking next week she'll be like... Banging Vince Russo or something. Like, n- I have no faith in the treatment of women on, on this
0: show. Yeah, you know, Trinity's hitting springboard moonsaults. She's hitting the Hurricane rannas. She's basically Lita. Lita didn't die whenever she did every single move she tried.
1: Mm. Lita does have more charisma, though. I was going to say, that's kind of adds to the aura of Lita, though, doesn't it? It's the it's the-, the Phoenix effect.
0: <laughs> but Phoenix only dies, like, one out of, like, a hundred times, whereas Lita dies, like, 99 out of a hundred times. Which
1: is why it rules?
0: Lita and Trinity should merge into the perfect wrestler. Linity. Linity, indeed. The wrestler who can do the cool shit, but also has cool charisma. Or
1: traitor. <laughs> traitor. Yeah, you know what? Let's go for it. Yeah. That's their uh, Gogeta-esque Dragon Ball fusion.
0: <laughs> so now that we've covered the rest of the tag stuff, what did you want to move on to?
1: Uh, there was some, like, charity thing going on.
0: Oh, yeah, they devoted the entirety of the gate receipts of... I took note of which of the shows it was.
1: It was the last one.
0: No, I believe it was 21, and I, it was more of them, actually. It was um, a, a bunch of them. They did a bunch of them in a row. But the Tennessee Disaster Relief
1: Fund, which mm. is
0: the, the second month in a row, because they're doing the um, the auction as well, which there there are some promo videos for. Yeah, the,
1: the auction one I was referring to, specifically. Or there's
0: a bunch of stuff up of grabs, like managing people, or sitting on announcers, or special guest ring bell. Um... That that goes to the stuff we mentioned last month, which is I think the DC Sniper Fund. I think there was an autism charity as well. But yeah, they also donated the gate receipts of the, the November thirteenth and I think as well the November twentieth, pay per view, was to the the Tennessee Disaster Relief Fund. So it is nice to see TNA giving back to the community, helping out, not just
1: being a selfish
0: wrestling company.
1: It's all cool, very charity, very charity. But the more important thing is that there is one pre tape in which Hennig. Uh, says, oh yeah, I've never lost at golf, which is a fun little reference, you know? Yeah. Uh, and if someone can beat me and we get over five grand on the thing, I'll put my own five grand in. So yeah, that's nice. But more important than that, BG James utters the phrase, I am a gamer. <laughs> is BG James the original gamer? He is the original gamer moment. Yeah, he he did have a heated
0: gamer moment on these shows, so it's, it's all coming full circle.
1: So, yeah, I'm gonna... I'm gonna be trimming that part of that out, and I will be posting it pretty much 24-7. I think he says the words, I'm a hardcore gamer, too.
0: Oh, yeah, he's not into those casual games. He's not playing Wii Sports. He wants to play God of War.
1: God, I can't wait to spend 10 grand at the NWA TNA auction to go play games with BG James, where he calls me slurs the whole time.
0: All right, this is... November 2002. What games would you play with BG James?
1: Well, he said it was arcade. So whatever's in the arcade at the time, playing some Street Fighter. I don't know. Let's go.
0: Yeah, well, there's all kinds. You could play some Pac Man. Ooh, Tetris. Yeah, Tetris. One of the Time Forces. Notable games released in 2002 included Kingdom Hearts. That was not at the arcade. Oh, you could play Mario Sunshine with them, and you could torture each other.
1: Not in the arcade, man.
0: The true revenge on BG for dropping the F word on this live pay per view would be forcing him to play Super Mario Sunshine.
1: No, because he'd just call me that over and over again while we play. He would definitely refer to Mario as some kind of derogatory comment please bg james i just want to play video games <laughs> stop calling me slurs
0: there was actually there was a mike today and don west promo for those uh, silent auctions which is very good they were doing a bit where don went into mm. the hard sell and mike was like
1: don save the hard cells for later and i was like oh the wholesome bit he's like oh, we already have 2300 and he's like 2400 2500." it's great oh bless these two bless them with all my heart less this mess. Let's
0: move on to the X Division I suppose in which again you can't get away from it Liam. Two AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn matches. <laughs>
1: Okay, no more. I'm putting a hard pan on this. No more AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn matches. But the thing that scares me is the blow-off quotation marks. I don't know. Involve cheating, so that makes me think there's going to be another AJ Styles Jerry Lynn match.
0: So yeah, on pay per view number twenty, uh, Lynn defeated Styles to win the X Division title. Which they're really hot potatoing that X Division title around, by the way.
1: Yeah, but I guess that's kind of the point. It's the belt that's gonna you're gonna get a title change every now and again. Do they have to do so many of them, though? I guess the idea is like tune in every week because you don't know if the X title will change. One, two, three, four, five, six. Listen, I'm not saying it's good, <laughs> but I'm saying that there is probably method to the madness. This is the sixth title change since the beginning of this company. I don't mind that. He got a title change. Got a title run, rather.
0: Jerry Lynn is the second person to hold the belt twice already. After AJ. <laughs> yes, of course. So, yeah, they had their first match. Both matches were very good. I still think the best match they've had is, like, the final portion of the first Exhibition title match. I don't think they've lived up to that match since. They still had two very good title matches this month.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed both of these. I actually really liked the blow-off quotation marks until the end. Yeah, they worked a very different intensity to it, didn't they? mm which was, like, because they have to, because they run this match fucking 25 times on 24 shows. There was this great moment where
0: AJ tried to run off the steps to do a Rana, and Lynn just hurled him into the st- the steel <laughs> rail without any stopping. It wasn't like he caught him and he waited a moment and he hit him with the rail. It's like, AJ jumped off the steps, tried to Rana, and Lynn just carried the momentum through to the rail.
1: It rocked. And it was interesting that, um... On the blow-off quotation marks, they did like a recap of each guy, and in that recap, they chose to put in the Jerry Lynn being a mean vet guy, so Mm. that played into the the more aggressive tone of the, the match, I guess.
0: Throughout the month, we had the debut of Crimson Dragon. Fuck off.
1: Well, what a glow up in one week, huh?
0: Yeah, because he went from. It was a Crimson Dragon against Jorge Ratt against AJ Styles match on NWA Day and Airbnb number 22. It was actually
1: pretty. You know, actually, no, it was a bad match. I remember I hated it. Don't worry about it. You, I'll take it all back. You
0: detested that match with every fiber of you being. But Crimson Dragon looked like he, he's like the prototype version of Amazing Red. It's just like, this was what Red should look like if Red looked like the worst, horrible, amateur indie wrestler you've ever seen in your
1: life. He looked like when you make a creator wrestler, but you don't have a lot of time and you just want to fuck around with moves. So you have like. You spend like five minutes on it.
0: If you remember the TNA game, that story mode was filled with matches against a bunch of creator wrestlers while you were like coming up in Mexico.
1: Oh, that, that was that was straight up a two K nineteen my career guy that you fight at the start. Yeah, and on the indies,
0: it's just like this is the indie wrestler in this game that they haven't bothered putting time into creating a different decent creator wrestler model for.
1: But I like <laughs> that they clearly understood because this is a TNA gimmick, right? Like this guy didn't do this. Mm outside of TNA he barely did it in TNA yeah they, they looked like he's like oh he looks like shit so I got him some good gear for the next show <laughs>
0: it's actually funny in the Wrestling Observer Dave, mention, Dave Meltzer always mentions because it's Chris Hamrick who plays the Crimson Dragon not to unmask somebody again but <sighs> Dave is mentioning I was like oh going all the way back to the 80s this guy has always been a good worker who can't get a break because of how he looks so that's this was their solution put a mask on him
1: yeah. And to be fair, the second goal of the look was actually pretty good. He basically looked like a mini super dragon. <laughs> yeah, he looked like super dragon met meets Ultimo Dragon. Yeah. It's really, it was just, it's kind of interesting, it's kind of cool. It's funny, that I'd imagine
0: the first week they're like, hey, you're booked, we want you to do this Crimson Dragon character, get some gear together, and he's like, uh, 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 uh okay. And this is what he could desperately throw together. And then the next week he comes back, he's like, alright, you know, I'm Crimson Dragon, I'm, I'm really going to invest in this character, I'm going to get myself some nice gear, I'm going to really commit to it. And he comes back, he loses the Siaki, but he has this cool gear, it's a perfectly fine little match, and then Crimson Dragon never wrestles in DNA again. <laughs>
1: I would buy the Crimson Dragon gear if someone is selling it. The second version, of course.
0: On the topic of gear, because that the Crimson Dragon, by the mm. way, that first match was awful. He was so bad in that first match with Stars and Jorge, but he was perfectly fine in the second one, so...
1: Yeah. He did some cool shit, but it was just all sloppy and, like, a little dangerous.
0: But on the topic of gear, one of the premier gear makers in the history of wrestling, Easy Money, showed up on these shows.
1: Yes. And ruled the entire time? Yeah. Easy Money's fucking sick!
0: So, yeah, Easy Money made his debut, he wrestled Tony Mamaluki, he wrestled in that tag match with Sonny Siaki against Divine Storm, he wrestled Crimson Dragon, so... And he had a squash against Alex Winters.
1: Actually, I liked Alex Winters, too.
0: Uh, yeah, sorry, Siaki was one the one who wrestled Dragon, Easy Money wrestles yes. Alex Winters, as I'm getting my Division yeah. squashes mixed up.
1: I gotta say, I enjoyed the Alex Winters performance, too. Yeah, Easy Money really good in these shows, hitting buckshot lariats and yeah. cool
0: power movies. He's a power junior, and again, there's nothing better in wrestling, you can't beat a power junior.
1: Or as uh, Tanay was calling them before, uh, a hybrid athlete that can go between the heavyweights and the X-Division. Oh, he
0: didn't use the word hybrid, he used a different word.
1: What was the different word? He
0: said tweener. Tweener, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> He's like, he, was, he was talking specifically about Siaki. It's like, Siaki is almost one of those tweeners, Mike Tanay said, referring to the well-known wrestling expression of the person who definitely moves between the X-Division and the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah. Which is, I thought that was a fun little, uh, not, I wonder if it was a purposeful thing.
0: Where he's trying to, like, claim back the meaning of tweener?
1: Yeah. I wonder if, um, that was ever, like, something they were seriously considering considering making, like, part of the TNA vernacular. Like, oh, we have these guys that go in between the heavyweight stuff and the X-Division, you know?
0: Because I'd imagine they were looking at AJ Styles at the moment in particular as a guy who's like, this guy is going to win the heavyweight title at some stage. He, he definitely is. So maybe we have to establish this idea that these people are on the level of the, which is, to be fair, a thing they were doing with like the Jerry Lynn and Ron killing stuff. Like Ron, Jerry Lynn pinned the NWA champion.
1: Well, Siaki does it, has been doing it too, but he also gets beat up a lot. So was,
0: mm.
1: was Kid Cash not on this fucking?
0: He did. Yeah, he was. He was. He was in the Elimination Tables match, mm-hmm. which he won, which was insane. As mad as an Elimination Tables match between Kid Cash, Jose, Joel, Maximo, Ace Steel, and Tony Mamaluke sounds. <laughs> and then he also had the triple threat with Styles and Lynn.
1: Yeah, it was a fun little match. Which
0: I, I honestly I, I agree it was a fun little match. Veered on disappointing though.
1: Also, I was just disappointed that fucking Lynn snuck his fucking way in there. I just wanted a cool AJ Styles Kid Cash match.
0: Styles was the one that snuck his way in there.
1: Oh, sorry, the yeah, other way around. Yeah, yeah. I just, whatever. I wanted the singles match with Kid Cash. And I, I remember I was really amped for it, too. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. An exhibition title match with, uh, that has Kid Cash in it? Yeah. And Styles was like... Doo, 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 doo. I was like, no. Damn you Mortimer Plumtree and your great lawyering skills. Yeah, he's a
0: good manager. He's representing his client you well. You the Nerd... <laughs> Oh yeah, we have to talk about it. We we're now that we're in the X Division. So on the the, the start of the NWA TNA pay per view number twenty two, November thirteenth, AJ Styles comes out and he cuts a promo and he's talking about how he should be put in the X Division match. It's very weird actually to see these shows open with a promo. It's like very yeah. It, it you feel again the Vince Russo influence seeping in with them opening with a guy coming to the ring and cutting a promo. AJ's in the ring cutting his promo. He calls McIntyre for some reason sugar tit tonight.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs>
0: and then Jerry Lynn comes out, interrupts them, and he's like Whoa 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 hold your horses there mister Cocks his head to the side, pauses for for a moment. Nerd is it? That's right. And yeah, Mike Tanay's like that's right and Don's like
1: Yeah Honestly like the Mr. Nerd line is obviously tremendous, one of the best things I've ever seen in my yep. life. But the thing that really sells that clip to me is Mike Cheney's emphatic that's right. He's like, fuck yeah, that is Mr. Nerd. You got him. Is is Mr. Nerd. He has been owned. <laughs> That's right.
0: And the pride and satisfaction on Jerry Lynn's face when he says Mr. Nerd. It's so good. I love it so much. It's such a lame line. And Jerry uh, Lynn makes it the best line in the history of the world.
1: Shout out to Jerry Lynn for responding to that tweet, too. Yeah,
0: Jerry Lynn responding to us on Twitter with a nerd gif
1: he is the fourth wait no the fourth or the fifth he's either the fourth or the fifth person followed on the account now
0: yeah Lynn deserves it for his sick Mr. Nerd line which is officially added yeah. to the, the, the intro of the episode
1: this is our Hall of fame
0: yeah this this, this <laughs> is how we immortalize people in TNA canon
1: oh you want to talk about Mike Taney's best call
0: yeah we didn't even mention the Mike Taney call where Vince Russo unmasks itself Don West drops a you've got to be kidding me because of course he does and then Mike Taney delivers the line oh shit It's Vince Russo with, like, the the fury and anger of everybody watching. And I believe everybody in the back. Did Tanay know? Well, he's not listed among the people that did know.
1: So that could have been a very real... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, it's Vince Russo.
0: A very personal, organic reaction from Mike Tanay to seeing Vince Russo on the television show that he has to work and call for the rest of his life. (laughs) hilarious it's such a good it's such a good delivery it's such a good it's the, like the perfect response you know it's the, the time is like oh could it be you know that kind of stuff the, the inorganic I'm feigning excitement where Mike Denae is just like oh shit it's Vince Russo
1: that may be the cleanest and clearest you've got to be kidding me too so that might just be the you've got to be kidding me that we end up using hmm I'll say thanks to Don West for giving us the soundbite of our podcast name. It's really helpful. He is
0: iconic. He's an iconic man. Well, that's that's the reason it was named. It's named after the call. That's, that's the what call. I'm saying,
1: though. It's like we have infinite choices of clips to use if we ever need an audio version of our name being spoken. I
0: mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're already up to like seven You've Got to Be Kidding Me's through TNA History.
1: Once it's all done, we'll compile the You've Got to Be Kidding Me's into one giant video. You see,
0: the You've Got to Be Kidding Me name is a double entendre, really, but as both Don West's catchphrase on commentary, and also what you say whenever you see something like Bruce being turned from gay to straight. You've got to be kidding me. Damn right.
1: <laughs> you did the mic today, damn right. <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: Extrusion stuff, that's about it for the month, I think.
1: Yeah, Key's gone, Red's got a bit more of a push throughout this time.
0: They clearly like red. Yeah, they do the Red and Lynn title match, and there's a, a note in PW Torch. Banger. The the Jarrets are banger. The Jarrets are very high on Amazing Red and feel he that he could be their version of Rey Mysterio. So they see what literally everybody on Earth sees. Yeah. But yeah, it's very clear that like, oh, they they think Red's a the guy. They're investing in Red because before that match, they do a little sit down interview where Red is like the most timid. He's so nervous. nervous just he's a kid being interviewed there on stage, and, and McIntyre does his darndest to kind of make him comfortable and keep him moving. You know, whenever he gets stuck, but. It's mm. like oh, he's he's so nervous. He's so like still stuck in his shell at that stage,
1: as you mentioned during the the watch along. Don West, absolutely professional.
0: Yeah, Don's like, oh, you know, this guy, he's so timid, he's so nervous, you you don't really think that this guy could be so explosive and dynamic in the ring, and then you see him and he he wins your hearts and minds. And it's like, that's commentary. Like, so much of commentary is like, oh, he didn't get all of that, which I, I detest now that he didn't get all of that. It's like, you're not supposed to make excuses for them, you're supposed to put them over.
1: You can say something along those lines without burying it, you know?
0: Well, my favorite one is always, and it's happened like four times in WWE recently, where it's like, he didn't get all of that, oh, it's the finish.
1: Yeah, that's a th- I hate that. Like that one because that's the risk you play too.
0: But yeah, Don Don's great. Mike and Don, I think this is really the month where they hit their stride. Where they're both like great commentators, but they have the the chemistry between each other. But then they're also like the, their own unique individual characters. Even taking out the Russo stuff, like Mike today's doing his interviews. Don West is kind of owning his earnestness, and it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy I, I enjoy that team so much. They're so good together.
1: Hmm. The best.
0: They are truly among the best. Alright, now that we've covered all the X Division stuff, uh, we shall go show by show. Is there anything we didn't cover from pay-view number 20, November 20th, TNA Asylum 800 there, papered?
1: Nah, I mean, the Jarrett Hennig blow-off. Yeah, it's
0: kind of disappointing that they, they still haven't had their proper full match together, isn't it?
1: Well, it's because it's the thing that you wanted really the most when those two came in. It was like, okay, let's go. Let's get the handy Jarrett shit out of the way.
0: But yeah, they're just shooting angles instead. All their matches are angles.
1: Probably because neither wanted to lose.
0: Another great Don call during the AMW against New Church match. He's just like, get these demons out of the ring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are demons. No, they're not. They don't even, they're not. I mean, we're not giving them that much credit. They're not spooky demons. They're just derelicts. Yeah, DK
0: are spooky demons. Uh, oh, God, the Brian Lawler thing. When he was, uh, Brian Lawler had a match on the show against 6 Pack. And there's a moment where he's standing on the turnbuckle, calling toward April, and he shouts at her, "Come here, you cunt!" And I'm like, Brian,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brian. No wonder she doesn't like you. She's like, dude, cool your jets. Like, take it back a little. Calm down on the c-word, man. Oh,
0: while Jart and Hennig were brawling in the crowd, they brawled past this fan who looked just like Steve Austin.
1: I didn't see this.
0: I posted the, the still of it on the... Our, uh, I think it was my Twitter I posted it to. But, yeah, he, he was, like, he, he bald with that kind of, like, mustache thing going on. Uh, your t-shirt, uh, uh, jean shorts. It's like, oh, he's just casual Steve Austin. He was even wearing a Steve Austin shirt.
1: I'm pretty sure his cosplaying as Austin. Did he have the gold chain on? I think he might have. Holy shit. That's a look, though, by the way. I'm stealing that shit.
0: Oh, you're going for the 2002 Steve Austin? That's your preferred look?
1: Yeah. Uh, get a long sleeve, shorts, gold chain on. That's my, that's what I'm going with now. I had a quite in- cap. You and your young people words. Cap? The- oh, I meant like a like a Oh, cap. a literal cap, right. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't saying that uh, I was lying. <laughs> mm.
0: There was a nice moment in the main event during Stars and Lethal where Mike Janay was like, yeah, we want a replay. Can we get the replay? <laughs> there was like some graphics on the screen as they tried to pull up the replay and then just like No, I'm afraid we cannot pull up the replay. It was
1: too high
0: action. Legitimately, before that, Mike Tanay was like, the X Division, it's so fast-paced, we can't even have time to go to replays. Once we go to replays, something happens, Mm. which it was in the styles Lynn cash match, there was a moment where Cash did this cool dive. It was like a
1: pin attempt or something, wasn't it?
0: No, Cash did this cool dive, and then they go to the replay of Cash's dive, and on the other screen because it's like the picture-in-picture replay, you see AJ do a Springboard shooting star to the floor. (laughs) It's
1: just stupid shit rules. They
0: cannot keep up with all of this stuff oh don West suggesting the maximals are like venus and serena williams (laughs) i quite enjoyed (laughs) where he was like this was during the the elimination tables match where it's just like just like venus and serena williams they want to eliminate everybody and get it down to themselves where they don't care who wins Mm -hmm. (laughs) then
1: should we like quickly just go through like all the matches that happened
0: i think we covered most of them already
1: it's like Jorge defeats bruce bj defeats (laughs) siaki Six-pack defeats Lola. AMW defeat the new church. Blah, 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 blah. You've already gotten bored running down the match. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I was like, oh God, just got a cage match. See, this
0: is the reason that um, I, I I want to shift toward the broad topics thing. Because it's just like, do you have anything yeah. interesting to say about BG against Siaki? No.
1: No, but we, we should let it be known that it happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, dude, that's the reason the show notes are there. You, you can look at results of these ah, shows. Ah, all contact. right.
1: You know, yeah, fuck these guys. Go to the get the show notes.
0: Lee <laughs> was like, you could to give us your $1 to look at the show yeah, notes on Patreon. I forgot about that.
1: Go pay the dollar if you want to know what happened. <laughs> there's, there's, there's all kind of scoops and stuff that we don't even get to the time to talk about. There's notes in here that we didn't even bring up.
0: The, this is the true hustle to sell you on the $1 show notes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's well written, you know. Has links.
0: <laughs> I did reassemble the show notes this week because they were kind of chaotic in past weeks, so I've, I've I've structured them a little better.
1: This is really just Garrett's play. He's eventually just going to release all of these notes as the TNA book that he's always talked about.
0: Yeah, not even context. It's just like literally just these notes. <laughs> oh, there there was quotes about the X Division matches before Styles and Lynn or Alex Marvez of current AEW fame
1: and Dave Meltzer of current AEW fame. Oh.
0: Very good. See what you said there. Thank you. Alex Marvez of Scripps Howard News Service and Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel says, Styles vs. Lynn gets my vote for wrestling's Feud of the Year. Mm-hmm. Alex Marvez is a big TNA fan. Dave Meltzer's quote, Styles vs. Lynn has consistently delivered some of the most outstanding wrestling of the year. The, 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 they've co-opted the media, Liam. They've done what AEW have, have done beforehand.
1: By God.
0: They've won them over with their revolutionary idea of Money. good pro wrestling.
1: Oh. <laughs> Sean Rush Sapp would be tweeting about how Sonny Siaki's got all this all this bright future. Jarrett's a great champion. He's nothing like Triple H.
0: <laughs> the WWE toxic fan talking point comparing everything Jarrett does yeah, to Triple yeah, H. Yeah. Sean would have been... What age is Sean? Sean's in his like 30s, isn't he? So he would have been probably teens during this era so yeah he, he could have been posting he would have been posting through all of these tna shows nwa tna baby number 21 any in notes any fun stuff on that one uh jimmy yang is now uh no longer an elvis
1: he's an old japan <laughs> that's
0: what he is he does look he looks more like his um young dragons look doesn't he with the leather pants the black leather pants
1: mm. and the straight up old japan bomber jacket
0: yeah uh there's so many crowd brawls on these shows well i think it's it's probably gonna get worse but there are so many crowd brawls Mm. Or a weird moment at the end of the show. For some reason, they introduced Jeremy Borash at the announce desk at the very end of the show. After the Lynn's Cash, and Styles match, they cut to the announce desk where it was Mike, Don, and JB there for a little bit. I don't remember this. You don't remember JB? He's talked about how like how good the match we just saw was before Don did the rundown of what we're going to see next week. They had JB there.
1: I don't remember this. JB obviously playing the role of the fan.
0: Yeah, so so the fan can know what's happening, which is... To be honest, mm. quite hard to know understand on the show sometimes, so maybe that's a good idea.
1: Maybe McMahon's right. Maybe they do need the announcers to just be fans and explain everything. Mm. Because on these shows, I don't have any clue what's going on. We also had
0: the, the NWTNF number 22. See? This is the reason Broad Topics works. We already covered everything. Mm. It's an efficient format. This is the show we did the watch-along for, so if you'd like to hear, like, two whole hours of us talking about NWTNA Paper number 22, you can head to patreon.com slash me to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Actually, there is an interesting quote in Jerry's book about the gay stuff. Well, interesting might not be the right word. (laughs) There is a quote. So Jeff Jarrett was like, hey, Jerry, you should email talent about stuff just so they they know what's happening and they have some concerns. And one of the concerns was the the, the, quote unquote gay content. So the quote in Jerry's book, Jeff advised that most of you feel that we have too much quote unquote gay content in the shows. (laughs) I agree. My explanation for the past segments is simple. When writing a segment or match using a gay tag team required gay content by its very nature. Some gay people thought the segments were funny. I'd like to know who. Some gay people thought the segments were disgusting. Much more likely. My guess is that the opinions were equally split among straight people. Like, that's him addressing the, the... This is the week of the BG James gay The week after, between the, those two pay-per-views. And we we did mention that, like, the, the gay stuff was... <laughs> somewhat more tastefully executed in recent months and then they went to the very dirt worse to the extent that he had to address it. And they did actually apologize for the the gay slur BG threw out saying it wasn't scripted.
1: BG James, man, just...
0: (sighs) But like, even if it wasn't scripted, the intent of that segment was like, oh, look at the gay bad guy, BG's going to beat him up. So even if he didn't drop the slur, the intent of that segment is he's beating up the gay guy. Yeah. Oh, dearie me. Dear, dear, dearie me. That brings us to NWTNA paper number 23, which is all the Russo stuff, all the bad, uh, this show sucks stuff. That's us
1: reviewing it, not uh, <laughs> not Russo. I,
0: I did enjoy, there was a sign in the crowd at one stage that Vince owns entertainment, but Jared owns wrestling. And it's like, oh, you poor soul, what a bad show to bring this sign to. <laughs> it's
1: not... It's not how you spell Khan.
0: The show where Vince Russo does the, this show stinks, I need to bring back sports entertainment (laughs) show is the show where you bring the Jarrett's own wrestling sign.
1: Well, to be fair, but, um, you know, that's the whole point, isn't it? That's the heat. Mm. The problem is, is like, the whole Russo character is like meant to be the bad guy, but he actually thinks he's right. So... you, You know what the actual problem is, though? That the the um, idea here is
0: that TNA is meant to be this pure sports wrestling show.
1: I mean, it was for a couple of months, but even when it
0: was, there was bits of it that very much wasn't.
1: Yeah, but it's like just, it was little sprinkles of it. It exists. I I wouldn't blame the fan for bringing this sign at like this point. If he brought it the next week after, I'd be like, come on. Man. But
0: my my big point is that like. TNA... Vince Russo's version of TNA in this promo is this horrible sports-based traditional wrestling product. And he's gonna bring <sighs> the entertainment. That's what this show needs. That's what wrestling needs. It needs the entertainment. And, like, you've had the dupps, You've had the, the freaking Johnsons. You've had all of the was Bruce like stuff. like, three months ago. You've had
1: all of the Bruce stuff this month. The Bruce and... Because I... I, I I would argue that the only things recently that have been going on is the Brian Lawler and the Bruce. Which stuff. has been all over these shows. Yeah, but it's one thing. Mm. Really. It culminates in one thing.
0: Bruce has officially given up Miss TNA. He's going by Island Funk now. He's given it to April, apparently. We'll see how that plays out. Probably won't. I did quite enjoy... There was a video package before Styles and Lin on the final show of the month where they had this photo effect for Styles...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: where they had this single image of Styles, and you know the other way when they drop the photos on top, it's usually like, oh, it's a different image every time. Not in TNA, not for TNA video editing in 2002, where instead it was just different frames around this single image of AJ looking like a smug git, and mm. I found it way too funny. I don't know why. AJ's great.
1: He's just got the most punchable face too. Really, he helps. does.
0: He's just a smug shit, and you want to hit him. I can see why Jerry hates him. Jerry's just like, I just want to hit him. Uh, I think last note I have is Dory Funk showed up. He did a little promo about the good old days, talking about all the old guys.
1: Did he do, like, a shoot interview? (laughs) Because they they did, like, a weird trailer for a Dory Funk shoot halfway through this. It wasn't
0: even a shoot interview. It's like, what if we condensed the Dory Funk shoot down to, like, two minutes? That's what we're going to
1: put on the show. For, like, a second, I was like, did they do the Ring of Honor thing, where they just, like, release their own branded shoot interviews or something? It wouldn't have been the worst idea. Yeah, like, you get some guys in there and there. Get Jerry Jarrett to go talk two hours and then release it on DVD. It was a nice little segment, though, talking about the good old days. I like I like seeing Dory. Still wrestling. What a bad man. They asked him about
0: Russo, and he's like, oh, Russo, what a piece of shit. they say, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, guys, it just came out. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the final note I wanted to mention, November 29th in Jerry's book. I spent the morning working at home on show number 24. This show reflects a lot of segments suggested by Jeff and Vince Russo. I really have no opinion as, as to how good or bad the show will be received. It is a great deal different from our past shows. My concern is that the fans might feel there is too much backstage content and too little in-ring action. If the backstage segments Stop. go well, the show could be exciting. My other concern is where the show is building to a match between Jeff and Truth against the Harris Bros. And my fear is nobody will care. <laughs> The, yeah. the Harris Bros get a great deal of negative criticism from the internet and this podcast,
1: except for Garrett. Stop it! <laughs> Leave me alone! What? They're your guys. Yeah. You're the one who keeps talking about how much you love the Harris Bros. You were
0: the one who said that if they weren't Nazis, I'd like them. So you were the one who was on the hook for liking the yeah, Harris Bros.
1: If they weren't Nazis, I would like them. You like them because Liam. they are. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I was going to drop it, but you make it too easy. You're a bully. You're a bully. And a mean person
0: but yes that's a foreshadowing for what is to come the the further vince russo influenced content which we will cover in two weeks on the december oh, 2002 I can't wait for
1: these shows to get way more difficult to watch
0: <laughs> to be fair they'll probably be more interesting to talk about <laughs> <laughs> for all the wrong reasons yeah but it takes me two hours to talk about them it takes me eight hours to watch them that is November two thousand two, a very happening month, lots of intruso, big world title change, some good Division stuff, some horrible gay bashing stuff.
1: Um GNA. <laughs> yeah, sounds about sounds about right, huh? If
0: you'd like to support the show more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash kidding me. I would suggest you wait until Wednesday to do so, because you will be charged now and charged again at the start of the month. So do not subscribe until the the start of next month. That is my advice. I'm giving you that warning right here.
1: My advice <laughs> Is subscribe right now. <laughs>
0: Liam wants the double money. Liam is horrible and selfish well, where I am out for the interest of the fans.
1: I don't care. Give me your money.
0: Patreon.com slash me, where you can get the watch along of NWATNA paper number 22. We also did a review of Chris Rock's Head of State. We also did a watch along of WrestleMania 26. Plus, next week, we will also have the episode 6 of Monday War Games so that's all the Patreon content you can look forward to. Support us at patreon.com slash me. You can follow me on Twitter at garrickidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-A-D-N-Y You can follow Liam at Twitter at Twitter, yes, at the Gleet Mooder Follow me at Twitter. Yeah, Liam <laughs> runs the Twitter account.
1: I run at Twitter. I am Jack. <laughs>
0: yes, you are Jack. You can follow Liam on Twitter at the Gleet You can follow our podcast on Twitter at TNA History Pod. We'll see you in two weeks as we cover December 2002
1: Thanks for listening. And bye-bye. Uh, uh, fuck. We didn't prepare anything. <laughs> really gotta come up with a goodbye. Uh, oh wait, uh, how about, um... Oh shit, that's Vince Russo. Oh, you nailed it. Oh, no, <laughs> what's the other one? This, pro- this product sucks. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early,
0: so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,